Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC, whose main club sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Well, hi again, everyone, and welcome to Belmont Banter. And this week we've got Josh May. Now, Josh is one of the string of quartet of uh, centre-backs that we have when Mark Seeger got promotion to the Ryman League. And uh, what a great time it was. You enjoyed it, didn't you, Josh? Yes, I did. Uh, that was I mean, my, my career, football career, um, probably the highlight. Those, the Sieg years at Whitstable were, were great and uh, great bunch of guys, great yeah, bunch I, of lads. I love that, the Sieg years. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> right, can we start off with you, uh, your first sort of memory of playing football? Yeah, um, let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, I suppose my first memories of football generally were, were sort of following my dad around. He, you know, he just played local pub football. I think he may have played for Whitstable and Herne Bay reserve teams. I'm not entirely sure. So I, I can remember being probably three, four, five those years and going with my dad every weekend to some football ground here or some football ground there. And and actually, I have a, a sort of a vivid memory of, of playing under the stanchions in a ground somewhere in Kent, I guess with Sam Denley and we must have been five six years old and we was playing under the under the stands in in a ground and our dads were playing football so yeah so that they're the early days and 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 I would follow my dad around and kick a ball around with friends in the park and and then at primary school we had uh, my primary school in Swellcliffe we had a Saturday football club so every Saturday I would uh, m- my mum and dad had separated when I was four years old five years old but I would I live with my mum. She she hasn't got a clue about football. She was never really into football. I don't think she she couldn't get, you know, the idea of running around on a muddy park and a windy wet weekend was not her idea of fun. So um so I would pack my, my little football bag every Saturday and, and go off to school, play my Saturday football at, at school and and it started from there really, Tone. That's uh, that was dipping my toe in the water of of competitive football really, although it wasn't a league, you know. We, we, we went out on, on that Saturday to, to, to win, so uh, fun. That's a f- familiar story, actually. This formative years and how we all go on that little short journey from school, from mates, and then all of a sudden the bug gets you and you take that next step. So when was the next step for you? I, my, the, I first joined um, a, a team called Tyler Hill. My dad was playing for... Billy Clark. I don't know if you if you know yeah. Billy Clark. He, he used to run up. Tyler Hill Football Club, yeah. uh, and they had an outfit on a Saturday and they had an outfit on a Sunday. So Dad played for both, I believe, Saturday team and Sunday team at that point. Um, and so it was a nat- it, natural that I would join the kids team there, uh, seeing as Dad spent time uh, around the club anyway on on a weekend. So I started playing for Tyler Hill. I must have been, I was young. I must have been seven or eight years old. You know the sort of the, the first sort of age group you can start playing and and it was I guess I don't think it was a league format but we played against other teams but I was obviously a Swellcliffe lad and can and Tyler Hill were based in Canterbury so I was Swellcliffe, Tankerton, Whitstable that side that area and so it was natural that I would sort of want to gravitate to a Whitstable based team where people I knew were, were playing so I guess around nine or ten I 
I joined Whitstable Town Football Club. Um, and there was two teams. There was the A team, let's say, and the Colts team. And I remember being with the Colts in the beginning, but my friends were in the A team. So uh, Sam Denley, obviously, I knew, and um, Darren Budge and Tom Gurr and, and all, Rob Thomas, I think was possibly there then I'm not sure it might have been a bit before his time uh, and I would go along with the Colts and I didn't enjoy it because with all due respect uh, they weren't maybe you know they went and got smashed every week six seven nil it was doing and it was doing my nutting so I think I um I beg I begged to go along with the, the A team and but yeah you know my mum wasn't involved my dad really wasn't involved at that point so I relied on the goodwill of of other parents to pick me up and run me around and um and of course you don't appreciate that when you're that sort of age but now being a parent myself I look back on it and think you know wow how uh how kind you know how kind of people to you know they didn't have to come and pick me up on a Saturday on a Wednesday and a Thursday whatever day training was whatever day the game was and run me around but they did it so I'll be sort of eternally grateful to those people Paul Gardner in particular was a name that I would I would sort of drop in that you know without him I wouldn't be I probably wouldn't be playing football because he, you know he would come and pick me up uh, run me to training because his son played Phil Gardner played was a goalie drop me home you know pick me up on a weekend you know he'd done all those things for me so and 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 so yeah, that was around the ages of ten, and then I was at Whitstable until, well, most of my youth. I played Whitstable until I think I was about sixteen, and then, like most most of us have, I, I switched over to the Bay for a little bit, and then I, I came back. And um, but those those years at Whitstable in the juniors, we were a decent side. You know, we yeah. were, you know, a few names I've already mentioned, Sam and. Andy Martin was another one at that level, just banged in goals for fun. He did, um, and and so we were a successful team over all of those years. We, you know, seldom did we lose. You know, very rarely did we lose a game. Who was um, the manager then? Was it Budgie's dad? So in the beginning, we had uh, we had Paul Gardner. I think Paul Gardner was the manager until we were fifteen, under fifteens, I think, and then. I think Pete Budge took over. Yeah. I've got a feeling Budgie had it. Um, but he, f- he got fully involved in 18s. Yes. Oh, yeah. then, then Pete was the gaffer at under 18s. So so in that period, I le- I actually went to Herne Bay. I get all my dates mixed up now, but I was, I think I, no, I, f- I first went to, when did I first go to Herne Bay? I think I was a bit older, maybe I was about 19 actually. So yeah, I did I did under 16s and under 18s at Whitstable. Yeah. Uh, under under Pete. And we had we had good success. We were a decent little decent little side. Most of the players were actually, I mean, most of us were the district side. Yes. So if you look at the district, which is, you know, for people that don't know that are listening in, it's a selection of of let's say the the best kids from the from the schools throughout the, the district. Um, and then you play other districts and uh, it's a, I guess it's a stepping stone up the ladder of the FA sort of football development, but you could probably take the district side and it was the Whistle Town side. So um, we, we were a good side. Yeah, it was a great, you know, great time when you're a kid and you're playing and you're playing with your mates, you know, real mates. I mean, we, you know, we were, we were friends outside of football as well as, as, as we were inside of football. So, you know, couple that with winning, 
you know, good times, really good times. Yeah, the, the emotion of your involvement with the local football, football in general, and then Whistle Town, it just comes straight through. I can, I can feel it in your voice. Yeah, because, I mean, again, it's not something you realise at the time, but when, you know, now as, an, as a grown man, as, a, as a, an adult, and you realise actually it's, it's a community game, a community club, it means so much to the community. There's a real connection between wider community and then the nucleus of, of those people that are actually interacting in the club and making the club tick. And without those people, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. And, um, you know, one example is 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 the guy, Paul, that would take me and run me around and done it for other people as well. You know, but another equally important example could be, you know, I think um, uh, Debbie Budge and, and, and the Budges looked after the TR and someone was looking after the bar and, you know, it's... Um, so it's important. It, I think it plays a, a, an important role in the community. And very much so. Very much so. Tell me something. You're you're now living in Sweden. You've got two young boys, did you say? Two young girls. Two young yeah, girls. I'm blessed. Uh, you are. That's for sure. Are you are you interested in? Are they interested in sport at all? Well, they they. I mean, they're young. Uh, my eldest daughter Florence is three, and my oh, youngest oh. daughter is only two and a half. Oh yeah. Okay. Actually, no. I, I'm she's two she's not quite two yet but um sweden's a really sporty country yeah. i mean it's a really sporty country they have very distinct seasons winter is winter it's currently minus 10 here today there's snow on the ground yeah. we can go skiing 20 minutes away if we want we, we've got downhill skis close to us we've also got cross country we've got forest near us but it, but then they equally have great great summers you know a Swedish person would probably argue with that, but coming from England, they have they have decent summers, so they they have the best of both worlds. And um, I think my kids are fortunate in that sense. And um, I, I'm sporty, my wife's sporty. We, you know, it's on the TV. If it's not skiing, it's football. If it's not football, we have got rugby or, or cricket or some of the bigger sports over here in Sweden are ice hockey and um, handball and things like that. So I, I'm sure they won't really have much of a choice. <laughs> because it's it's all around them but they're too you know they're too young to, to uh, really understand competitive sport or, or even sport for fun really they, they're not really that structured but, it, but it's nice to know that growing up they've got a dad who's going to be committed to running them around you're going to be doing the things that you know you you were you were so pleased about that happened to you yeah, I mean, I think it's so important, especially if you're involved in a local community club like Whitstable. We have, you know, we have football clubs here that provide the same sort of value to the community. So I will, you know, definitely be um, looking after my kids and running them around and any any of their friends or teammates that need help. I'm sure I'll, um, I'll, I'll be there more than happy there to help them. And um, yeah, and, and and just support generally the club. I think it's so important. I think, and you, not just a sense of community, but you, you learn a lot of lessons, a lot of, lot of life lessons, and and um, it shapes good people. I think so. Uh, you certainly learn about people when you're in a changing room, don't you? You do. Yeah. Sometimes you see more than you want to see and hear more than you want to hear. But um, <laughs> I, th <laughs> I think it's all uh, all important lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Now we. We digress slightly, but it was a good thing to talk about you and your family and where you live and everything. Then we're at a stage in your football career where you're playing for the under-18s. I think you said you were 19, 18 or 19. You had a little spell in Fern Bay. 
what happened next? Yeah, so I, I, I first year of 18s, I, I picked up an injury. At the, I, I think it was the end of the under 16 season going into the under 18. So I actually missed the first year of under 18s, pretty much all through injury. And I, and when I came back in the second year, I played a little bit of 18s, but Dave McFall, I don't know if you remember Dave McFall, he was the manager of the reserves at the time. I think this is probably, well, it must be around 2001. And so I ended up playing a lot of football for them instead of the under 18s or as well as the under 18s, I should say. Um, so I was up with a reserve. So at the age of 17, I was, you know, playing reserve football with, with a load of men and, uh, that was an eye opener. It was a good learning uh, experience for me, to be honest. It was, you know, um, playing with a mostly local Whitstable or, or Herne Bay lads, um, traveling around to different grounds and, you know, great, great, great experience. I mean, characters, you know, real characters. Dave McFall, what a, <laughs> what a character he is, uh, was. Rest in peace, Dave. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so played a bit of reserve football under Dave. And then I think Simon took over. Simon Kay. Yeah. Played a bit of resi football with him. So, yeah, I'm now sort of probably 18, nearly 19. And then I got a phone call from... Um, from Jason Leppard over at Herne Bay, you know, selling me, selling me the dream, you know, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And, uh, you know, I'd been at Whitstable a long time and um, I think Sam Denley had gone over to Herne Bay at that point as well. His old man was Nick Denley. His old man was managing the first team at the time. So Sam had gone over, but he was playing first team football, Sam. He was a good player. Um, and, and I knew some of the boys over at the, the resis over there, and I, and I went over. I decided to go over. Um, so I, I, I had uh, a bit of time with Jason at reserve level. And then when I was there, a guy called Jason Lillis came to the club as the first team, as a new first team coach. And then I was in and around the first team squad. So I, I sort of made a bit of a transition, but I didn't really make a dent on, on, on the squad. You know, I, I was, I was a, a, a passenger, really. They had some good centre-halves. Lloydy was there. Wes Ammon was there. Dave Salton was there. I was there. So they had four decent centre-halves. I think I can include myself as a, as a decent centre-half. But uh, but the, the manager, like, Lillis, he just didn't fancy me. I think, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. He, for whatever reason, he didn't fancy me. And I remember training, you know, I was training well and I was I was committed. And even though I had decent players in front of me, there, there, there was a game, and I can't remember who it was. And we, I think Lloydy was injured, where Zaman was injured, Souths was fit, I was fit, and you know I trained well. And Lillis had said, you know, you're going to be starting on the weekend, so you know I was ready. And I turned up on game day, and he dropped me, and and he played, uh, he played Wes Ammon instead, and and uh, you know it cut me deep. That did, mm. and and I thought, you know, he don't. He, he just doesn't fancy me at all, this bloke. And that was me done with Van Bay. And I thought this, you know, I tried everything. So at that point, I knew that I would cut my losses. I should cut my losses. And um, I, I think I gave Simon Kay a phone call and said, uh, uh, you know, I want to come back over. Um, and that was, and then I went back over. To, I came back over to Whitstable. I think it was, it must have been the beginning of 2005, around 2005. Um, that, then I, I came back and started back with Simon in the reserves and had a season in, in the reses. And, and in that time, 
Siegs took the, the, the first team job at Whitstable. So that's how I, so I came back to Whitstable that way. And in that moment, Siegs got into the first team and I guess he was looking, I think he had already, I think um, people like Gary Sayer, who was a good player. I think Tom Parker, another decent player. I think they had already made the transition up into the first team, possibly. Or they may have been in the reserves at the same time and we may have all gone up at around the same time together. I, I can't, my memory lets me down a bit. But 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 after having that sort of season with Simon Kay, we had a good season. We were a good young side. It was a mix of my sort of age 18 group and it was a mix of the year below, which was also a decent group, which, you know, the likes of Jake Guest, uh, Gary Sayer, Tom Parker, etc. We I think we got to a cup final. We lost narrowly in the cup final that year as a reserve side. And then we went up together. We, you know, we was training that, that pre-season, we was training with the first team uh, as a big group. And and I guess enough of us impressed upon Siegs that he might have a, you know, a half decent sort of crop of young lads. Um, and, you know, the rest, the rest speaks for itself really in many ways as a group of players, because we all know, you know, how it, how it turned out. But, so that so that's that you know the Herm Bay interlude between Whitstable as a youngster and coming back to Whitstable, you know, as a still young. I mean, I was still probably what 20, 20 21 when I came back. Sure. And uh, cracked into the the first team, but yeah. So tell that's me journey. Tell me something. This has come up a couple of times. This particular team you're talking about, he had yes. a, he he had a knack somehow, Siegs of keeping, he had over 20 players on his squad easily. And he had a knack of keeping people happy. How did he do it? He did, it's a good question. It's a good question. I've not thought about football for many years, really, or this this part of my life for many years. And I, and I knew I'd be coming on, so I've been racking my brain. And he was a good man manager, Siegs. I mean, he was, he, um, I can only speak for myself, but he, you know, he made me feel like the best player in the world. There weren't another centre half around that was as good as me. After me spending ten minutes with Siegs, you know that's how it that's how it was, and I'm sure it was the same for the other guys. I'm sure you know we had there was me, Rob Thomas, um, Addy, yeah, Michael the player, yeah, Michael Adcock. Uh, Michael Adcock. Uh, what other centre halves did we have? Kiri was Kiri was coming towards the end. I think yes. he was floating around. You know, stalwart of the club, great player, great bloke. And he was sort of there to, to I guess, bring a bit of experience into the to sure. the group of young centre-halves. Uh, and then we had other players later on in that season. Jackson, who, you know, who came over from, I don't know where he came from. He turned up one day, this 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 bloke. He was, you know, built like a the proverbial uh, outhouse. And, um, yeah, what, what, what a character he was. He was all right. He was a half-decent player as well. So... You know, yeah, he, you know, here's an example for you. I've been out injured. It was coming towards the, uh, I, I think I'd had about four weeks out. I hadn't played bad back and I just couldn't get fit. It was a right mess. And we had the cup final coming up against, um, who was it we played in that cup final? I can't remember now. Was it Beerstead? I want to say Beerstead. Yes. We played at Dartford, didn't we? Yes, Beerstead. Yeah. yeah. And I hadn't played, and he and he called me up, and he and he said uh, he said whatever he said, you know, about you know 
and he had all, and he had a list of stats. So he was telling me how good I was essentially, but he was he was reading these stats to me. So when you play, we concede on average 0.5 a goal a game. When you don't play, we concede on average 1.5 a goal per game. When you play, we score X. When you don't play, we don't score X, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, yeah, you know, they need me. I've got to get fit, you know. And and I'm sure, I mean, I don't know if those stats were true. It, probably not. But I believed it. And uh, that's all I needed to hear. He believed in me. And uh, and I'd have run I would have run for a brick wall for him. And I'm sure it was a, I'm sure, you know, you'll probably hear that story from from all of us actually. Yeah. So he, he was good in, in how he managed this and um He was totally committed, wasn't he? Yeah, of course he was. Yeah. He, I mean he had a he had a I guess he had a vision and he and he knew how he wanted to achieve it. And I think at that level um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a decent level. You know, it's it's a, it's a decent semi-pro level. There's good players in that in in those in those leagues. You know, half of them or more than half have probably been attached to a club until they're 18, and and the other lot should have been or could have been. So, you know, there, there's some decent players. Uh, but I think one of the things. It... Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. You know, I may be wrong, but. I always had the impression it was a, it was quite amateurish until I met Seeks in that way. You know, all of a sudden, you know, things you felt a bit special and you trained in a certain way and there was always a plan. There was always a strategy and there was always a goal. And, and, and all of a sudden it felt like we was all really pulling in the same direction to achieve the same thing. And everyone knew their jobs. Everyone knew exactly what they needed to do. And if you'd done that on a given day, you'll win the game, you know, that, or, or certainly that's how I sort of interpret my time working with Seeks or playing for Seeks, you know, and, and I think that, you know, there's no more apparent example, <laughs> although I'm going to contradict myself to, to a slight degree, but we played Margate in an FA Cup game and they were two leagues above us, I believe. They were a Ryman Premier side and I think they had not long come down from the Conference South even. They were a good side, you know, they semi-professional in all, you know, in, but certainly probably not in nature. You know, they paid big money and they trained, you know, multiple times a week. They were a, a well-organised outfit. But, you know, on on that day, we, you know, he had them watched a few times. We trained with, with an idea of how he was going to play against people and, and sister. And, you know, on that day, you know, we lost 2-1, but we lost 2-1 to a, to a league, that to a team that was, what, two leagues above us. They should have, should have beat us. But they, we went one new up. They they struggled. They really struggled to break us down. They couldn't cope with certain aspects of our play. And actually, that they they scored a weldy to win that game. And I, I think anyone that was there that day watches that game. Anyone that played that game knows that they got they got away with one Margate on that day. Um, and that's that's testament, of course, to the players, but but to the to the staff, to to Siegs and uh, and to Sai. So I took all the training and and um, implemented, I guess, um, broke the game down in a certain way that made it accessible for us players to sort of, you know, assimilate and understand and and then, you know, rebuild the puzzle on game day to make it work as a as a functioning team. But um, 
yeah, uh, he was good. He was committed, and I think he was he's, he was um, good manager, good manager, good manager. So you you obviously enjoyed your time under Seeks. Um, when when that time came to an end, where did you go then? Yeah, so we 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 had that great season, didn't we? The um, the was it two thousand six, two thousand seven? We won the Kent League. Uh, we won a couple of trophies that year, Kent Reliance Cup or or the yeah. Kent Senior Kent Reliance Trophy. It was yeah. so we had a good run, and then we went up into the Ryman South, yes. I think, is it or Ishman League? Maybe it's called now. I don't yeah. I don't follow one follow of the it, same. but one of the same. yeah, yeah. And for all of the things I've just said about Siegs, oh, he made he made a mistake in my opinion that year that we went up. In that he brought in a lot of players. A lot of a lot of players from from outside outside the area from from different from different places and I don't necessarily think they were better than what what he had and I don't necessarily think they were you know the players that got him there I think earned a little bit more time to show what they could do at that level you know we had already given Margate a run for their money couple of leagues above and we were capable as a, as a unit and of course I understand you need to bring in a couple of players but he brought in a lot of players and um, I think that unsettled a few people it unsettled me a little bit um, because you know I thought I was you know I was the man and the the, the way I play you know with 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 Rob Thomas or or Addy it was me and one of them usually very rare, very seldom did they two start together because of the type of roles that we played as center half so, i mean both addy and rob could shift they were quick and i wasn't slow by any by any sense of the imagination you you know you can't be at that level but but they could they could shift they were rapid whereas you know i was uh, an organizer you know i organized as i was at least you know my my perception of my guy organized and i would the defence would be, I'd keep us together as a unit and I'd be always talking to the midfield guys and I'd be shifting us around and reading the play. And I was, you know, growing up, never particularly the quickest player. So I developed other strategies um, to, to sort of circumnavigate those those weaknesses or perceived weaknesses in my game. So I, I believe I was always one step ahead in my mind, always. I had to be, you know. And then, and then, that season when, you know, we went into pre-season, he brought a lot of players in and a couple of lads you know, came in from, from different clubs and some of them were centre-halves. And all of a sudden, I found myself right down the pecking order. I mean, and I just I thought, what the, what the hell's going on here, you know? Um, and it done me a little bit. It, it, you know, I must admit, at, at the time, it sort of, it knocked me a bit. And I thought, well, I'm not having this. You know, this is not right. You know? my competitive nature and my nature in general is, is to not try and blame other people, but look at yourself. And so I, you know, do what I, I do and I trained hard and, and I, and I got into the team and actually I, I had a look the other day and that the, the lineup for the first game of, of that season, we played Eastbourne and um, I was in that starting lineup, but I just felt that I, I actually looked the, the, the because I thought it was interesting thought, and I didn't want to misrepresent it. You know how our own our own memories can can trick us over over years or whatever. But 
there was only one, two, three, four, five players that started that first game in the against Eastbourne that played in the in the final against um, Beerstead. Only five: Fuley, Rob Thomas, Tom Parker, Josh Main, Andy Constable. Bench was completely different. So Laney and Tommy Martin started in that final. They were both on the bench. So, so there's an example. So big changes, you know, yes. and maybe there was too many changes, but you know, it's, it's neither here nor there. But now, you know, when when I look back on it, it you know it doesn't matter. But at the time, I remember thinking, you know, he's mis he's misjudged it. He's he's got it wrong, and and uh, maybe it was just me, Tone. I don't know. Maybe it's just how I feel, but. Possibly the other lads, some of the other lads may have felt the same. But yeah, so so we we you know we had that season and um, I was playing, I was playing you know playing regularly and it was a big jump, not in terms of standard, not in terms of uh, the game, but in it in terms of what it actually required of you as a as an individual um, outside of football. You know the the commitment that you need to make. Is, is a big one, actually, you know, in terms of your time, you, you know, we all had jobs, some of us girlfriends, wives, and, you know, on, on you'd be training twice a week and you might have a midweek game against Met Police or whoever it was. And, you know, you'd be leaving work at three o'clock in the afternoon and getting home at one in the morning. And, you know, and it put a big burden on me. And, um, and then I picked up an injury, I think, uh, I don't know. I can't remember how it happened, but I, I picked up a knee injury. I got absolutely clattered playing away somewhere right on my knee. And I went down like a sack of potatoes and uh, it was towards the end of the game. And I think it sort of coincided with the ref blowing his whistle to say the game game was over and we lost. I remember we had lost and Siegs weren't happy and he called everyone over on the, you know, to the side. He was really pissed off and, and I was just laying there on the floor and he'd, forgotten about me and I thought you know it was another knife <laughs> it felt like another death by a thousand cuts I thought you know it's, it's another and I don't I don't know again if I if if, uh, if I'm reading too much into it but you know I just thought Phew. so I, I took a, I took uh, I was injured at my knee I think I got I developed tendonitis in my knee and then I thought it's all about and me and the missus at the time we were thinking about going traveling and doing all these other things, you know, there's more to life than football. And so we did. So, I, I, you know, we um, quit our jobs and we went off traveling. And I, 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 that was the last time I, I played for Whistle Town. I didn't, I didn't finish that season. After Christmas that year, I was still injured and um, got on a plane and flew out and ended up in India. <laughs> and uh, I'd done, I done nearly, what did I do? Nine months traveling the world. Yeah, and 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 so there was that, you know. There's a sort of another interlude in in the footballing journey. Is is I took, yeah, eight nine months and travelled different parts of the world, India and Southeast Asia and uh, South America and different places like that, which was which was great, an experience I wouldn't would not change for the world. And I think when you do those things, you get a different perspective on on life and, and what's important and what you want to do and. But then, you know, so that was, what year was that? That was 2000, it must be 2000. Yeah, I left in 2000, January 2008, I think I left. And I got back end of 2008. 
Um, and I actually, after I got back, I actually played more football. I, I, I played for um, Herne Bay for a little bit when, when I got back, yeah. Um, I don't know if you, you know, maybe there's not much to tell about but about that um, story. But uh, yeah, I got back and started working and I moved up to London and I lived up in London. I was working for a firm and a lot of my clients were in and around London. So it made sense to be there. And, but I, you know, I, I sort of, I wasn't really done with football. I thought, you know, I had more to offer and I could, I could still play a little bit. I was still a young man. I was still, what was I? 24, yeah, 23, 23 yeah. or 24, you know, yeah. I wasn't no age really, you know, um, and uh, yeah, and, and Simon Alsey called me up. <laughs> he was at Herne Bay. He was an assistant at Herne Bay to a guy called Barry Morgan. Yeah. Morgo. Yeah, and he called me up, asked me what I was doing. And, I, you know, I explained and, I, you know, I said, I'm up in London and I can't, you know, maybe I can't give that much. But And he said, well, look, we, we've got a young side here. And I don't know if Si had, had a, a sense or a feeling that he may have had when we came through at Whitstable, but because um, they had a good bunch over at Earn Bay, they had a good a good bunch of youngsters coming through at the time. Kingy, Stuart King, I think was one of them. Um, the Turner brothers, um, Daniel Lawrence. Danny Lawrence was a kid then, good player. So so they had a good young side there. And, I, and, and he said, we just need a bit more experience. We've got a few more experienced lads coming in, but come over. And so I went down there and, you know, trained and met with had a chat with Barry and yeah we ended up doing a deal and I signed for them and I, I don't know how long I, was. I wasn't there long I think I gave it half a season and and it nothing to do with the people or or the lads it you know nice club great blokes Cy and, and Morgo were, were lovely you know no issues there the boys were great but I just couldn't commit to it and and in a way I was tricking myself because you know that was a going but that was in the Kent League and so it was a couple of levels down from what we had been playing at Whitstable and I didn't need to train so much to play that level um I could I you know I felt very comfortable at that level and I, I could sort of get away with maybe just going for a run by myself when I had time just to keep me you know just to keep yeah. my legs ticking over and get my heart rate up but I didn't need to train so much to play that level and in the beginning, I, I convinced myself that that was okay, and um, and I oh, yeah, I played half a season. But you know, I realised that it wasn't fair on anyone. It wasn't fair on me because while I could get by, I wasn't playing as good as I could do. So I was letting myself down, and I was probably letting the the younger players down that were coming through because it wasn't really the example that someone should be setting to them. You know not turning up for training because all right legitimate reasons I'm working in London I'm living in London but still you know and then you know and the third sort of reflection I had at the time was there was a couple of young centre-halves there one of them Stephen Hansen and I can't remember the other the other guy's name but I sort of even though I was only 24 I sort of put myself in their shoes and thought I'd have been really pissed off if there was a fella coming down or not coming down but he was playing on Sunday and it had happened to me before yeah. and I thought you know it's not doing them any favours so so I knocked that on the head actually and um, and that was it that was the last time so at 24 I, you know I think I was 24 then no 20, 25 24 25 I, I sort of knocked it on the head and, and uh, say retired but I didn't you know I never played 
you know, quote unquote, proper football. After that, um, that was me done with, uh, you know, football in that sense. I played a little bit on a Sunday. I played for a, a Sunday side called Rising Sun, who who also play a big role in the, in in the local community. I guess you know that you know the name. Um, throughout my whole football life, I've I've always played my my sort of adult football life. Let's say from the age of eighteen, I've played for the Riser on a Sunday as well when I could. So that, that's also been a big part of my footballing uh, life. And I continued to play for them for a little bit. But then I had an accident. I actually had an accident at work. I was working away. We was in Holland and uh, I had a quite a severe accident. I was in a restaurant and I, I slipped over. A waitress, long story short, a waitress had dropped some drinks and she never cleaned them up. And I slipped over and there was a broken glass bottle, half of a glass bottle. And uh, I slipped over. And naturally, you know, you put your arm out if you fall yeah. over. And I put my arm out. And as I landed, you know, I felt a big sort of thud on my arm. Didn't think much of it. But it turned out that a half of a glass bottle would cut off. And it went up into my palm of my hand <laughs> and up into my wrist. And uh, it ended up being a really, a really nasty one. Um, I didn't realise that immediately. I went, you know, I was taken to the hospital immediately because it was there was a lot of blood and stuff and they just they had a look and they wasn't overly concerned and they you know they stitched it up a little bit and they said you know you need to go back to the UK and I said oh, okay yeah sure so I called my my boss who was also there with me because it was a, a work function and he arranged a flight for me and he said well look get a taxi straight to the airport I'll meet you at the airport and your bags be will be there when you get there and I said oh, okay yeah sure so I left the hospital, went straight to the airport. He was there with me. he was there with my bags. He had fixed my bags for me because we were going home the next day anyway. Mm. So everything was sort of all lined up to leave. And yeah, and uh, he had booked me a flight. I was flying with BA, and I, I got through the uh, security. And then I was just about to board the. We was in the holding pen, you know, and they yeah. let us through. I was just about to board the plane. So this is this is probably now like three hours later. So after the hospital let's say and they had stitched it up at the hospital they put four stitches in it and uh, I was just about to board the plane walking along the gangway and I got a really sharp pain in my really sharp pain in my in my arm and I sort of bent over I sort of bent over and and it just the stitches just burst oh my god all four stitches burst and it and the blood just came shooting out of my my wrist like like a, like water from a hose it was i mean it it was ridiculous of course everyone ran away from me because no one wanted to get splattered in blood and i i you know of course i was panicking i didn't do and a, and a young fella 21 22 he come running over and he took his belt off and he made a tourniquet on my arm and he put my arm up and he, he took the tie off of a ba member and he made a taunt another tourniquet on on the wrist of my arm so stopped the blood and called an ambulance and I got rushed off to hospital and I had uh, I was eight hours eight hours in an operation because I had severed I had severed 98% of my radial nerve I'd wow. severed 56% or 60% of my ulna nerve and I'd severed all of my arteries and some of my tendons in my wrist so it was a bad one and then, you know, I was in hospital there for a couple of days. I flew home. 
heavily medicated, of course. And then I started suffering again. I was having problems literally like a couple of days after being home. And immediately I went to the, the hospital and they, they, they sent me up to East Grinstead. And then I had a month in East Grinstead and I had two more operations. And I, yeah, so I was, I was sort of um, in the hospital for a month, wow. basically. A couple more operations just absolutely medicated out of my nut and then and then I got sent home and 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 that was me done really I mean I absolutely from that point on I did not I've not, I've not played football again I've never played football since then wow um because it just took a toll on me the whole the whole ordeal just um okay, took a real toll on me physically but also mentally because the you know the medication they give you I, I mean it's fucking ridiculous that I you know, I think when I left the hospital, I was I was taking around sixty or seventy tablets a day to manage to manage different things because because it's nerve damage. They can't treat it with, but morphine wouldn't do nothing because it's a nerve it's a nerve problem. Which you know, you have these chemical signals which turn into electrical signals, yes. chemical in your brain, electrical in your body, and the imbalance just you you know. So you have to treat the chemical in the mind to get on top of the nerve pain and uh, so they do that with, with antidepressants and if you're not supposed to be on antidepressants it can really play it's havoc okay. with yeah. with your mind it's yeah. fucking, and uh, and so that's what happened so you know I was heavily medicated eventually over months and months and months you, you know you you get weaned off but you know outside of that the company that I was working for and when it happened I lost my job I worked for an American company and they didn't give a shit. You know, I remember, I remember my mum sort of calling me saying they've taken your motor because I had a company car. They've taken your motor. They, they blocked my phone. You know, they sh typical America. I think they thought I was going to sue them or something, but you know, of course I would never have done that. But so I ended up losing my job, which meant I lost my house. I had a house in Faversham. I was living in Faversham at this point. So then I had to move back in with my mum. I was told that I would never be able to use my hand again. You know, so I had extensive rehab. It was a nightmare. And and for a couple of years, it really affected me, both physically and mentally. You know, I was, you know, not in a good, not in a good space. And it was at that time. And, I, and then I, yeah, so it was around that time. I, I knocked football on the air completely around when I had this accident, which I think was probably 2010, yeah. I think, around that time. Sounds good. Right? And, uh and then, and then, and during that that moment, I also met my now wife, um, Linnea, who's Swedish. I met her, and um, yeah. And in 2012, I, you know, I, like I said, I'd lost my job, and I thought we'll move to Sweden, and that's what happened. So uh, we, so then we came over here end of 2012, and it's you know, it's it's been a great decision to be honest. It's it's a different culturally, very different here, but. Um, you know, I still haven't learned to to live with all of the differences. It still drives me mad sometimes, but uh, but it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, you've really taken the wind out of ourselves today because this journey that you've come on is not just all about football. It's about you as well, which has been brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, yeah. I think... I, of course, I was here to talk about my football journey, but I don't think um, you can't separate, you know, you can't separate 
life and football. I mean, they're they are one and the same things, and um, and so it's important to give some context to to the footballing journey. It certainly has been well. We're we're a little bit subdued at the end of all that because it's I, I feel quite emotional about it what you've been through, but uh, it's it's been a terrific to talk to you again, Josh. I know we haven't spoken for. 10, 15 years. So long time. Long. Yeah, it's been a long time, Tony. Yeah. It's, uh, Just going back you know, to you, you eulogising about all the players that you play with, about with Seeks and Sai, and what a great time you had and good time you had at Herne Bay as well. It's mm. been a wonderful, wonderful chat with you today. So I thank you very much for coming on because when this goes out, you will be staggered at the feedback you get because you're talking about a time of your life that any friends that you've got now, you're, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, they don't know anything about that. Mm. And they are going to be, they're going to be really surprised. Yeah, so, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, you think you know the story, you know, your story is the truth. But actually, I've listened to, to nearly well, nearly all of the podcasts since I found out I'd be coming on. I've, I've listened and, you know, it's great hearing people's, um, you know, perceptions of, of of the reality that they they lived through in their yes. football journey and yes. uh it's it's nice to hear you know you learn a lot and uh i hope yeah i hope people in, enjoy what i've what i've spoke about with you and um i guess the feedback will confirm that or not so <laughs> <laughs> well i don't care about the feedback all i care about is the fact that you've been so honest and open with me and, and i've really really enjoyed it so from me here at Belmont Banter and Josh in another country, in Sweden, actually. It's uh, goodbye for now, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter for news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.